Very good. Wonderful job, Pastor Rex. Every week. We'll do it now. Every week. This is good. (laughs) Oh, friends, would you take your Bible and uh, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. We'll be there in just a moment. That'll be an anchor scripture for us tonight. But uh, quite honestly, there'll be uh, a handful of passages of scripture that I'm going to take us through this evening. And uh, you may want to grab a sheet of paper to jot down some of the references for some future study if that's a part of your uh, scripture study um, process to take what's preached and to go through it. I hope that you by now have discovered that whenever God's word is preached by me or any other uh, presenter of God's word, this is intended to be the beginning, not the all-encompassing experience with that word. It should whet our appetite for more of what it is that God is saying to us. And so uh, the whole point of jotting down a note is so God can leverage that in your life later. But we'll be at Isaiah 6 in in just a a few moments. I want to start by just sharing. uh, Tonight I want to talk about who is God. I mean, sometimes it's, it's exciting to talk about what God does. It's pretty exciting to talk about what God has done and what we believe God will do. And that's important to do that. But if we don't ever talk about who God is, we miss a foundational truth that can be an anchor for us, as our brother said over here. In times of trouble, when I know who God is, it's different than knowing what he has done. And and we need to, to weigh in on that. Our brother shared uh, tonight that it is popular, I think, out of hopefully a a good desire to speak to the felt needs of people, to talk about a lot of the how-to of the process of life to following Jesus. And it's good to talk about the how-to, but if, if if we never talk about the who and who he is, we miss this foundational truth. And uh, as much as I believe that in my gut, I've got to just like be transparent and be real, okay? So if you never, I want to, never ever want to see your pastor be human, then you shouldn't listen to me preach, okay? So I'm just going to be real and tell you what happened in my prayer closet this week. I was on the phone uh, with my uh, disciple, the person pouring into me, uh, Thursdays at 4 o'clock, and me and another pastor are there uh, on this conference call, and he's speaking into me, and we're going over this question rooted in Jesus' words when he says, who do you say that I am? And this is a regular pattern. I've talked about this before, and, and, and we're looking at who... We say that Jesus is, and, and uh, I was kind of excited about my answer, and, and I, just, I just said, you know what, what I've been chewing on this week, it was from the passage of scripture I just read to you, Galatians 6, 9, uh, about God's awesome timing. I said, you know what, I, I'm just captivated by God's perfect timing. And my disciple was so gracious, he said, oh, Brady, that's good. It sounds like there's, there's probably something more there. And he, he drew out that praise from my heart, and, and we, we celebrated that together. And he said, and in loving correction, he said, that's really good about what Jesus has done. But that's not what I asked you. I asked you, who is Jesus to you? And I wanted to say, oh, Come on, Hal. I'm just telling you what I've seen and I'm celebrating this. And and it was just a a great reminder, again, that no matter how long you've walked with the Lord, no matter how much you've studied of God's Word, no matter how much you have been involved in ministry, there's a temptation to to gravitate towards what He has done. And that is good. But we want to start with understanding who He is. And I began to to pray about that and think about that. I began to see, you know what? There's something different. When I, when I praise him for what he has done, there, there's a good thing there. But when I praise him for who he is, 
Then the next time when I'm expecting him to do something and he doesn't do it the way I want, I still have something to fall back on in my praise. I can praise him because he is holy, even though he's not doing what I want him to do. He is still holy. He is still righteous. He is still love. He is still truth. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about tonight, so we're going to come back here to do this. But when we look about who God is, who Jesus is to us, we need to recognize it's a, it's a foundational question in our relationship with Him. Well, when you think about your relationship with Jesus, I hope this question comes up. Who is Jesus to you today? Not just what has He done, not just what you need from Him, not just how, how great of a listener He is to you, but who is he? What is his character? What is his nature? With six billion people in the world, if we'd ask the question, who is God? It would be possible to get billions of different answers. But there's some facts about who he is. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God has revealed himself to us in creation. Romans 1.21 says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God has made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. There's a general revelation that God has given to us, but it's not just general revelation. He's given us the specific revelation in his word. In his written word, the Bible, he talks to us about his nature, who he is. He talks to us in the living word, Jesus. By his example, we see the character of who God is. We begin to sense that he wants to be involved in our life. And so the questions that I'm going to read here are ones that have definite answers. Who is this holy God? Scripture on the screen says, And they... We're calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So who is this holy God? Does he really want to have fellowship with you and me? Why should such a holy and awesome God want to have communion with us, to communicate with us? Why is our relationship to Him so important? Does God expect us to be a holy people? Is that even possible for us to be a holy people? What is it that we could imagine a holy person looking like? Do we think we ought to be holy like Him? All these questions are rooted and wrapped up in an understanding of who this holy God is. It's in essence Jesus asking the question to the disciples again, Who do you say that I am? It's one thing what everybody else says about God, but but who do you say that He is? Who is He to you? Is He a holy God? Is that just something we rattle off? Do we know what that means? Let's first look at God's holiness. If you're you're taking notes, you can jot this down. It won't be on the screen, but, but I have confidence you can do this. You're at like master's level class. You can take this. God is holiness. Psalm 99 verse 9 says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. All throughout Scripture, it just declares the holiness of God. Holiness is not just one, but it's many of His attributes. It defines all of God's other attributes. He is holy, and it sets the tone for all the other characteristics of who He is. It's the essence of who God is. 
I love the thought that's been explained to me. Holiness defines God the way light defines the sun. Have you ever heard that before? No? Oh, we need to talk about that. Imagine if you're defining the sun and you say, well, it's, it's, it's light. Well, it's not a part of the sun. It, it, it just radiates out of the sun. You cannot separate light from the sun. And God is holiness. He is holy. He is wholly separate. He is not like us. He is wholly other. He is in a category all by himself. He is a holy God. Just like light describes the sun, so holiness is the characteristic of who God is. From his holiness, we begin to see all kinds of other attributes. But before we get to that, I want to pause. There's so many problems theologically. Theos is God, ology, study of. So our study of or our understanding of God, our our picture of God can be so skewed and so messed up if we don't get this holiness thing right. In our tribe, we like to talk about holiness. In our tribe, if you want a song to sell, you just put in there holiness. And it's going to get some attention somewhere. Even if it's not a good song, we're going to look at it and say, hey, the, the title's good or the lyric is good. Let's talk about it. Because we are a people who have, have, have seen the power of God calling us to be a holy people. But, but what is it in this understanding of God being holy that if we don't get this right, it messes everything else up in our life? If I don't see that he is so far greater than I, he is the holy, separate other God, and, and therefore I am not, then I don't see the, under, the, the need for the understanding of grace. We have a strong doctrine of grace because we have a strong doctrine of sin. And because God is holy, he cannot sin. It's impossible for him to sin. And when I see how great God is and how not so great I am and not so great you are, it begins to give us an awe and a reverence for who God is. We take out his holiness, we lose the awe and reverence of God. We take out his holiness, we we lose the supreme authority of God. We take out his holiness and we don't even understand the complexity and the great benefit of his mercy and grace that we talked about this morning. And so the holiness of God is absolutely paramount for us to not only wrestle with here, but to embrace here in our heart. From his holiness flows these other attributes. Because he is holy. He is just. He is perfect. In him there is no sin. We see forgiveness flow from God. Compassion flows from God. Love flows from God. Truth flows from God. He never lies. He never misrepresents himself. He never misleads us. This all comes from his holiness. Not only is God holy, we also begin to see because he is holy, he is also righteous. He is righteousness. Psalm 50 verse 6 says, and the heavens proclaim his righteousness when they say god is righteous we mean he flow follows excuse me the moral rule he has established he always does the right thing so god has set the standard in his holiness but he is righteous he lives rightly always he cannot do the wrong thing in his very nature who he is what he does is faithful to what he has said in this foundation that paul was talking about he is our rock There's so many other things in our world that's like shifting sand. It may be good for a moment, but it erodes later on. 
It may be true in this light, but in another light, it begins to crumble and fall apart. There is an absolute certainty in the holiness of God, and it leads to the righteousness of God. He is righteous. He does the right thing all the time by his very character. He is righteous. He's not full of wrong motives. His actions flow out of his attributes. They're not motivated by pride. His actions are not political like many humans. His holiness guarantees righteous action. His word is his bond. His word is his contract. His actions are not governed by his mood. It's not what kind of mood God is in, if he's fickle this day or not. He will always do the right thing. He's not a respecter of persons. It's not because I like you more or I like you more. He does the right thing because he is a holy God. He is righteousness. He is holiness. God is also love. 1 John 4.16 says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Let's just pause there for a second. Sometimes it's appropriate to talk about love being an action. And I, I can love my wife. I can love my neighbor. But God not only does love, and it's an action or a verb for him, but it is also a characteristic. He is love. Not just does loving actions. He is love because he is holy. He is righteousness. Because he is holy, he is love. It came from this verse. Let me read it again. 1 John 4, 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Okay, that's the love he has for us. God is love. So he loves us out of the characteristic that he is perfect love. We can rely on God's love for us. When I begin to understand that this is his very character, his nature, it's dependable. It's that rock that Paul was talking about. And we can build our life on the fact that he is love. He reached out to us. Before we ever knew we needed him. His love or his grace that goes before, his provenient grace, his love that runs after us is not just an action, an arbitrary action that was just kind of a good thing that God did. It's the very core of who he is. He is love and it impacts every action he has. He offers this holy gift to us and his love for us because of his very character. He is holy. He is righteous. He is love. God is grace and mercy. Ephesians 2, 8, we talked about this passage this morning. For it is by grace that you have been saved. God's grace and mercy, they flow from his holiness. If we miss who this holy, holy, holy God is, we miss the grace and the mercy that flows out of it. You see, grace and mercy are only necessary because he is holy. Because he's holy, he cannot accept sin. Because he's holy, there's no place for sin in his, his camp. There's no place for that. And he has to, to have us at a higher standard because of who he is. And he wants to have a relationship with us. And so he gives us mercy. Not giving us what we deserve, the penalty we deserve. He gives us grace, giving us the blessing that we don't deserve. And it's tied to his holiness. If I don't have much need for grace, or I don't have much need for mercy, I don't have any understanding of how holy he is. If you and I could, could see the, the throne room physically, if, if God was physically here in this room, it, it would bring us to our knees. We, we talked about worshiping God. 
Now, before I get all hard-nosed about somebody getting on their knees who maybe you have a medical reason you can't, I, I want to get hard-nosed on myself. I was thinking this week of all the things it takes for me to be comfortable in worship. I, I really want to be around people like you because I'm comfortable with people like you. Once I get around people who are not like you, then I start getting distracted and I get uncomfortable and it takes a whole lot more for someone to kind of whip me into some kind of motivation. But I was reading again a, a story that David Platt tells about going to the mission field and he was there with the believers in, in another country and, and for whatever reason, all they had was a picture of Jesus and a few words from a Bible that they were able to take before the Bible was taken away and they just put that picture, the depiction of what they thought Christ looked like up on the wall. They read just the same few verses that they read the week before over and over again and the room exploded into worship and praise. They didn't have to have a lot. All they, they needed to see was the picture, the, the very image of Christ, and they would explode into worship. When I read that, I thought, oh, God, help us. What if next week, next Sunday morning, next Sunday night, all Pastor Edgar did was just put a picture of Jesus on the, on the screen? No preaching, no singing, no greeting. No announcements. Now, now, some of you were going to say amen in one of those places. Now, just hold on. But, but what, what if there was, there, was, there was nothing? It was just a picture of Jesus. What would it take for us to, to be, be moved into worship? I, I, I think it's, it's a realization of who he is. Anything that helps us get a picture of his holiness changes everything for us. This depiction, this vision into heaven where they were singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Pastor Brady, I'm, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with those kind of moments. I feel a little bit out of control. I'm not quite sure. Well, I understand that. But friend, you better get comfortable or you're going to hate heaven. In heaven, we're going to sing all day and all night. We're going to praise God all day and all night. Not because God made us like the believer who's sitting next to us. No, 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 no. Because all we do is see a picture of who he is and everything else doesn't matter. We fall to our knees and we praise him. It doesn't matter in comparison to him. He is holy. He is righteous. He is love. We also see that God is truth. Oh, I missed grace and mercy. I said that part. He's also truth. In, in John 14, 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As Jesus is speaking, and he describes himself as the way, the truth, and the life. We begin to see that God is giving us a picture of who he is and his son here on earth. The Godhead is truth. The very nature of who they are, they are truth to us. God is truth to us. Jesus, fully God, fully man, is declaring truth every time he opens his mouth to us. He never lies. He is holy. He bears truth. So here's a thought for us tonight as we bring this, this teaching time to a close. Our God is holy. Do we want to be like him? Can we settle for anything less than his holiness? If you've not taken the class 201 that I have 
that I teach from time to time. It's coming up in a couple weeks. I strongly encourage you to take it. It is my favorite material to teach of any material. It, it talks about living the, the victorious life, living a life led and controlled by the Holy Spirit. We talk about the holiness of God and what He calls us into. I want to just give a quick snippet of what we'll be talking about that in class. If, if you have not been in that class, you need to come. If you've been in it, send somebody to it because I think it is one of the most powerful things to help a Christian catapult into the power that God has for them. But when we think about being like this holy God, we say, whoa, <laughs> don't you know who I am? And God says, you're getting closer. The more you're suspect of yourself, the more he says, okay, now you're humbled, but let me help you see. I am calling you to be holy like I am holy. I'm calling you to be perfect like I am perfect. That word is teleos. And in our English understanding of the word perfect, Webster's Dictionary would tell us that means without error. While God is without error, teleos doesn't mean to be without error. He is calling us to be perfect teleos, to be made complete for our purpose. The way he is complete for his purpose. And so in the midst of these infirmities, in the midst of these uh, things that I say and do that, that I miss the mark, it's not a conscious, willful disobedience to God. He says, I can, can make you perfect for your purpose. None of that can even matter. We can't even go through 201 class about living a life led and controlled by the Holy Spirit if we don't understand who He is. And all that to say this, back where we started. If Jesus was here before you and he said, who do you say that I am? How would you respond? The Son of God. Who is Jesus to you today? I had a really good answer for my discipler this week. He has perfect timing. So gracious and loving with me, says Brady. Yeah, he does. And we celebrated that. But that's not what I asked you. I said, oh, you're right. Let's go back. Why is his timing perfect? Because he is a holy other God. Heavenly Father, I thank you that in our finite minds, our very limited ability to understand even the concepts that you give to us, you still are so patient, so gracious, so long-suffering, that you reveal yourself in bits and pieces to us again and again and again. As I read in Scripture, when, when Moses went to the mountain with you, and as you just brushed by him, he came down and his face would glow like the sun because he'd been in your presence. He caught a glimpse of who you were. Holy Father, would you give us just a glimpse of your holiness in a way that it would radiate all over everyone around us? Would you begin to, to give us such a, an awe and such a reverence for you, an appropriate a fear of you, God, when we see who you are and then who we are and who we're not in light of your holiness, your righteousness, your love, your mercy, your grace, your truth. Father, I thank you that as Jesus asked those disciples, who do you say that I am? And got to the very core of his relationship with them and saying, before we get to anything else of what I tell you to do, you need to be absolutely rock solid on who I am so you can see who I want to make you into. Lord, I pray that you would begin to give us a hunger and thirst to know you more.
a hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen and amen.